Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Canadians lose, but once again, what an entertaining hockey game. You get the feeling a lot of players would like to play in this system. Or should I say, within the concepts is Marty St. Louis, the new age coach in the National Hockey League. Will it be a trend for other teams to hire coaches that don't necessarily have the experience and are the recycled coaches and the defensive-minded coaches a thing of the past? I'll ask one guy with a very offensive mind, a la Marty St. Louis, former Hab, Mike Ribeiro, coming up on the Sick Podcast. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. The Sickest Montreal Canadiens Podcast. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadiens win the Stanley Cup. Sports entertainment like no other. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature. And Lakage. If the last time you went to Lakage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lakage. The menu will surprise you. Arrow, the Sick Podcast. Follow us on all social media platforms. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at the Sick Podcast. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's absolutely free. Tell your friends about it. The podcast is sick and, of course, is brought to you by 8.6 Beer intense by nature the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark and lacage if the last time you went to lacage was when the habs won the cup it's time you go back to lacage hey go with me i was at lacage la salle a couple of days back on sunday and at lacage de carry the day before that on saturday the menu will surprise you it no longer surprises me because i know no I now know what the cash is all about. Joining me today, I know what this guy's all about as well. I've had him on the podcast on more than one occasion. Mike Ribeiro, what's going on? How's it going, Tony? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Uh, good. Listen, uh, I don't know if it was the last time we spoke or before that. I Anyway, uh, at what point you told me you wanted to coach the Montreal Canadiens? Uh, yeah, yeah. I laughed a little bit because... You didn't have all that much experience besides coaching your son over the past couple of years. And lo and behold, the Montreal Canadiens ended up hiring a guy who's really only experienced besides a consultant's job with Columbus a couple of years ago to help out their power play is a guy who was actually coaching his son at a peewee or bantam or whatever level it was. And he's done pretty good. A record of 10, 10 and two for Marty St. Louis. 
His team is scoring a lot of goals. They have this never-say-die attitude. They're able to fight back in hockey games. They're able to generate offense. And before he was hired, a lot of people said, oh, he doesn't have the t- They don't have the players. They don't have the horses. They can't generate offense. And now they're doing it. What a new coach can do. I haven't had a chance to hear you talk about him. So let me hear you talk about him now. Number one, on February 9th, when the Canadians announced Marty St. Louis as their new interim coach, you thought what? Well, like everyone, I think I was surprised at first, but I thought it was a great, great move. Uh, you said, okay, he doesn't have experience, but I think he has enough experience as a player, right? He understands the game. It's not like he never played hockey and then he's yeah. just jumping in like for, uh, but I, I, I'm really happy with it. And he's a guy with passion. He's a guy that guys in the room will respect him, right? Will respect him as, as, a, as a player that he was, as a person that he is. And uh, uh, and if you if you can communicate, obviously you can. Uh, I think I think players will love him because he'll understand uh, what players go through because he's been in that uh, position before. So I think it was a great move for uh, for Montreal Canadian. And as you see it, uh, they're playing better. Uh, you'll see even uh, even from here, you can feel the the atmosphere is different. Uh, so uh, I think that was a great move for the Montreal Canadian, and I, I wish him really good luck. Mike, he really impressed a lot of people, the fan base and members of the media uh, on his introductory press conference where he was asked about, you know, what he coaches and the fact that he prefers concepts over system. Let's listen in on what he had to say that day when asked about concepts over systems. Yeah, I mean, systems, I feel like you box players in to be in a certain spot. And sometimes you don't allow them to make reads because of it. A concept is more uh, playing with a little more instinct uh, with ideas of how we want to be as a team. Um, now there is structure inside concepts. You know, systems you can say structure. When systems you box players in into only certain things they can do. And, and, and I, that was probably one of the things that I hated the most as a player is play in a system where I, I was a great player when I was allowed to make reads because the best players make the best reads. But if you take the reads out of the equation, those best players become average. So I want to make sure that I allow my best players to make reads. And I'd rather them make a bad one than not making a read at all. And sometimes in systems, there's not much reads. And um, so that's why I call, I, I, I'm, I'm I'm more excited about as a player playing in a concept than in a system, but there's tons of structure in a concept. It's just a little more freedom. Mike, when I heard that, I was like, wow, that's deep. That's intense. Like this 8.6 beer over here. Talk <laughs> to me about it. What, what did you think of what he had well, to that's say? Just, that's just a smart player. He was a smart, really smart player. Not just a smart player, but a smart guy of the game. Like he said, a, a system. You got to be in your position, and you cannot get away from that position. Is straight lines back and forth, stay in your position, and uh, that's what helped me play. Is because I understood the other team's uh, systems. A concept, like you said, is give the top guys a chance to replace, to make uh, show their skill, and that's what helped me in uh, Dallas. Is that uh, Tippett allowed me to read and, and allowed me to do things that other guys maybe can't. At the same time. Yes, I'll give you that freedom, that that freedom to to anticipate or to, uh, uh, you know, don't uh, <clears throat> make a play at the blue line. I'll give you that freedom. 
but you know, after don't turn the puck too too much at the blue line. You know, I'll give you that freedom to make your play that you think is the right play with your instincts, but at the same time, I don't want you to hurt the team either. So uh, give some freedom to your top players. Like you said, a smart top players uh, will have the instincts, will have that read that some of the guys want, and you want to let those guys free a little bit into that concept. Not like he said, system. You got to be in that position. You cannot leave that position until it comes to your uh, your time your time to play your route. But by the concept, like he's saying, is that yeah, you be in position. But if you can read that play, if I can put and understand that the D is going to go D to D, well, instead of going hit, hitting that guy as a half one, I can read and try to pick up that puck, right? So give some uh, uh, freedom to your players in the concept. But you don't want them to deviate from the concept and just like a freeloading out there either, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a touchy, but a lot of times you give that to your top players, their first line, second line guys, a few guys. But after that, you want the other ones to like play in that system, that structure that you call for the third, fourth line, even the second line sometimes. So let's talk about some of those top line players. Cole Caulfield under Dominic Ducharme had scored one goal in 30 games. There was a lot of talk of sending him to Laval, the American Hockey League. I, for one, was saying you got to get him out of Montreal. I mean, it's not a good environment. They're losing games. He's not getting better. His confidence is dipping by the by the by the game, by the period, by the minute, all that stuff. And he was on the fourth line. He was getting 11 minutes. They were taking away his power play time. In comes Marty St. Louis, and Cole Caulfield has 13 goals in 22 games it's an unbelievable pace where if he would have continued this pace if they'd be on that pace for an entire season he ends up being a 50 goal scorer under marty st louis so what has marty st louis done for cole caulfield is it that is it just saying don't worry about the system just make reads well, I think it's a little bit of both. I think I think for for the kid too, seeing Saint Louis come in, I think that probably boosts him, right? Saint Louis is probably like same size as him, uh, you know. So it's kind of a great image for Cofield to look at, right? It was and, his idol. He was his idol growing up, uh, Mike. He wore number twenty six, and that's my point. So right, right there, when you probably when he heard that, that gives you a boost, right? That gives you confidence. And if the coach really trusts you, and, and you can feel that from the coach, it's going to help you on the ice. It's just the, the trust of a coach and knowing that the coach like you and trusts you, you're going to play different. It's just a different approach to the game mentally. Uh, and it looks like he's playing more freely. He's like, he's not stiff, right? He's just, and I kind of knew like it was normal for him. It was the second year. It was normal that it was going to, it was going to be harder this year at the beginning because teams will know him. Teams will target target him or uh, play different defense against him. It would have been it was going to be hard at the beginning of the year for him for sure, but I think the change I think helped everyone, not just him, but every, it kind of give the boost to everyone. And I think I talked about it the last podcast, but we're talking about the GM. And mm -hmm. I was saying, well, if you bring someone that the guys know, it's probably going to help them, uh, uh, you know, get get ready or get uh, get the confidence back. So for for them to bring Martin Sangui. I think everyone in the room was like, uh, that was a booster. That was that was like, and I, Shane was a guy with passion. There's a guy that worked so hard. The work ethic was so high that, you know, as a player, you look at your, the coach that's coaching you that what he did, well, you know, you want to you want to impress him. You want to do, you know, yeah. you want to try to uh, mimic, mimic what he did. Or, uh, you know, when Maritain is going to talk to Cole Phil, Cole Phil's going to be, well, yeah, I think he's right, you know, because he's been there. 
So it's yeah. a different mentality, different approach to the game. Uh, uh, and, you know, they're playing a little bit more loose now. Obviously, they're not making the playoffs, but I think it's a great move. It was a great move to change the coach at this time, give time to Martin to know their players this year, and by next year, they can get ready and start the season right away. Mike, the Canadians are coming off a 7-4 loss in Florida in which they were down by a score of 4-1. to one. They scored two goals in 31 seconds, three goals in a minute 42. They tie up the game after two. They end up giving up two goals in the third and then an empty netter to make it the 7-4 Florida. But anyway, in that game, Cole Caulfield had 17 minutes, Nick Suzuki had 19 minutes. But prior to that, there were games where, Cauf where Caulfield was getting 19-20 to 20, and Suzuki was getting 22-23. and 23. I mean, talk to me about young players getting that kind of ice time. I mean, I don't think I, I ever met a player who complained about getting too much ice, but should we worry or is this actually a great thing? The more ice, the better. I think it's a great thing. I think, I think it's a great thing. Uh, uh, playing 20 minutes, I think 20 minutes, I think it's perfect. And obviously, if you're playing on a PK power play, if you're playing all those, you're going to play a lot. And even in a PK, I used to like, like to play there to put some of your good players on on a pk but like you said he's they're going to replays that the other guys might not on a pk so but 21 22 they're young kids obviously if you have back-to-back -back games you're probably not going to play them back-to-back -back games at 23 minutes but just to manage their time but more you play better you better you play as a top player if you like you said if you put cofield in the fourth line playing 11 minutes it's not the same player you never played that you always played a lot of minutes and if you change those minutes, it doesn't. It's not the same game. If you play in the first line or second, it's not the same game. You don't play the same. You don't play the same minutes. Uh, you know when uh, when it's an offensive zone face up and you're in the first line. Well, you, chances are you're gonna go, so you know it. You're ready for it. But playing kids 18, 19, 20, 21, at, they're young. They're young. They're in good shape. Uh, those guys don't go out like we used to do. So they're they're ready every game. They're drinking shakes and, and water every night. <laughs> they're not drinking that 8.6, that's for mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> uh, Mike, um, when when you uh, were a junior hockey player, there's some people that looked at you and said, this guy's not going to play in the National Hockey League, right? He's too skinny. He's too frail. He's too fragile. He's going to get eaten alive. When you made it to the National Hockey League, people said, some people said, this guy's not going to last in the National Hockey League, right? He's too skinny. He's too frail. They're going to eat him alive. Uh, you went on to play not only a long time in the National Hockey League, you picked up a lot of points. There were years where you were number one centerman on your team. When you take a look at guys like Suzuki, who's under six feet tall, guys like Caulfield, who's like five, six, uh, and, and way under six feet tall, there are those who doubt that they could be first line players, even though they show us flashes and they show us games where they definitely have the ability to do so. Are you convinced? that it doesn't size doesn't matter because you've been there done that are you convinced that Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield are first line players yeah i'm pretty sure i'm pretty uh, convinced that they are or they will be for the, for a long time right they're still young but when you're small and not big you got to be smart you got to like figure out the game you got to figure out where's my time and space where can i get space so a lot of times you got to develop more hockey sense to figure out how you're going to fit it, right? I was small playing against six, four, six, five guys going in a corner. Well, am I going to go and just uh, just go pick up the puck? No, he's going to crush me. I need to figure out a way to beat that guy. So your mind and you have to learn the game a little bit more to create space because you're smaller. For me, I wasn't that fast either. So like, how can I adjust myself? Uh, so a lot of the game for me was mental. 
right? It wasn't physical. I didn't have a great shot. I wasn't fast. It was really to understand the game, understand the other team systems, right? Understand what my uh, open eyes will be. When can I have a second more here? So your uh, your game's different. Your mind's different than a guy that's 6'5". Eric Lindros that goes in the corner, he doesn't have to think too much about which move he's going to do. He's going to pick up the pocket and, and skate with it, right? So how can I pick a guy's pocket if he's twice my size? Well, I got to be smarter. You know, the same thing with Martin. Uh, you you got you to you take away the puck carrier's time and space instead of putting yourself in a confrontation where you're exerting all your energy because you'll never win that battle. That's it. It's the same thing. Like if I'm uh, playing in my defensive zone against, again, one uh, my big guy, I'm not going to try to go random over. It would make no sense, right? Okay. Two, I will lose energy. He won't. So I need to be smarter playing the puck. My position, where's my stick? How can I get that puck from him, right? So there's a lot of, uh, and those kids are, are better skater than I was. So, uh, but by giving them that freedom to make a play at the blue line, right? Because of their skills, they're young. They're going to turn the puck over. They're going to make mistakes. But if yeah. you allow them to have that freedom at the blue line or make a play instead of dumping the puck or have to chip it, try that play at the blue line. Okay, it's not, but not going to work all the time, but give that freedom, give, give that confidence, those kids to try to make a play because they can do it. Not all everyone right. can do it. You were just saying you have to try and figure things out because you can't play a certain way versus certain players, which leads me to Brendan Gallagher, who didn't play last night because he's out of lineup right now with injury. But a couple of weeks ago, Marty St. Louis basically said that he wants Brendan Gallagher for the good of his career and the rest of his career to reinvent himself. He doesn't want him to be just an F1 and only an F1. He doesn't want him to go into the mix and into the fight. He wants him to reinvent himself. It sounds pretty brilliant to me. Some will say that you can't do that because Gallagher only knows how to play one way. But between you and I, if he continues to play that same way he's played his entire career, he's not going to exactly. last. So exactly. I totally get St. Louis. So what do you think he has in mind for Gallagher? Uh, Slow down a bit. Right, he's a go 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 guy, right? But if you can't adjust yourself to the game, you're done. If he keeps doing that for five, three more years, he's going to be done. The game changes every five, six years. There's different coach, different system, different approach. If you cannot adjust yourself to the game or how to approach it, you're going to be done faster than others. So even for me, or uh, uh, I started my first five years, you could hook, cross check, you know, you could do whatever you wanted. And then they had the lockout. It went so fast. So I had to adjust. I wasn't fast. That speed game. And in the last five years of my career, it kind of came back a little bit to the old school. It was a mix of both. You got to adjust yourself to the game and to your uh, to, to your body. To your, like, you cannot go again five more years the way he's been playing since he started because he won't last. Like You can see that now he's losing gas because you can't do that year after year after year after year at this size too, right? But he's a good skill player. He has a good shot. So be more a reader than just yeah. board check and go, go, go. Understand when to slow down, when to go. And uh, you cannot go 100% all the time. That uh, just doesn't make sense. He's, he's probably going to have to change his off-season training too because the training that he's probably been doing has probably been for like, you know, sheer force. And, and, and I, I don't know, obviously, I don't know much about training. But what I can tell you is about matrixhomefitness.ca because on those treadmills, Mike, you can pace yourself. Guys like me can walk. Others can walk faster. Others can run. You bring it home. You discover a club-quality workout in the comfort of your own home. Visit matrixhomefitness.ca. But all kidding, all kidding aside, uh, Mike, he probably has to adjust his training where he probably does 
more cardio, more core exercises, more uh, Pilates stretching, flexibility, more stuff like that than doing stuff where he's going into the fight all the time. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I cannot really help you on the on the workout part too much, but you didn't work out either. <laughs> I didn't work out too much, but yeah, I understand. Well, stop, 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 stop! Right now, how much? How much did you work out or not work out in the off season? I have to hear this. Okay, the season ends. Let's just say the season ends, and you make the playoffs. You play a couple of rounds. Let's just say it ends uh, end of April, first week of May. All right, and you got to go back into pro camp. By the 10th, second week of September, what are you doing from mid-May to mid-September? What did you do? I used to be at the lake for most <laughs> most of the time. So I didn't work out much. I started working out. I used to start working out when I used to come back to the city. So if my kids' school started uh, August 15th or mid-August, uh, mid when I came back to the city, then I used to go to, uh, to you know start skating. So I used to pra uh, work out before and then skate. And then just get ready for the so, so so let's just say you were out by the first week of May. The rest That's of May, nothing. nothing. The, all of June, nothing. nothing. All of July, nothing. nothing. You come back home in mid-August, and mid-August, you pick up your first weight. <laughs> yeah, well, it was not even a weight. It was those two pounds, two and a half pounds weight. <laughs> but I did, I did. I it was, yeah. So that's when I used to start working out. You keep talking, keep talking. Hold on a second. I said, that's when I used to work out. So once I got to the city, the kids were starting to school. I used to go to the, to the rink and, uh, you know, work out a little bit. There I go. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but definitely, <laughs> I, I don't even know if I can pull that one up. <laughs> Mine were pink, a little pink on it. Five, five pounds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it was different. It was different then. Uh, but that's the way I, that's the way I was. <laughs> that's the way I was. I don't know. But sometimes I'd look back and I was like, I tried. I think I tried. Like I was 155. I went up to one. I tried to be like, I couldn't do you, it. You were, you were 155. <laughs> I was 155 when I got drafted. My left leg is 155. Your ankle, not just the leg. <laughs> I saw you with no shirt last night. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I Facetime him. To, I, 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 I message him to come on the podcast. He doesn't answer. He ends up Facetiming me back. I don't see who it is. I'm, I'm half asleep. I wake up. I got no shirt. He looks at me. He goes, "Oh my god!" I got scared. There. I was like, "Oh." No, so you're in action. I thought I caught you in action there. Oh, All right. Sure. So, so, yeah, I forget about you're that. You're working out at 12 at night. Can't believe it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> okay. So now, now it's mid-August. You pick up one of these five-pound weights. That's what else did you, do? did you do? Any running? Like Rocky through the streets of Montreal. Rosemont Petit Patrick. Sur plateau. I used to run the mountain. Oh, I used yeah? to be a good runner, though. Like I used to be like a cardio runner when I was younger until I started smoking. But you were a good runner because you were running out of the cops, <laughs> running, away from, <laughs> running away from the out of the clubs. Whatever oh, everyone yeah. was coming to close the clubs. Hey, three o'clock, we gotta close my shooting <laughs> in the back door. Oh man, you make me laugh. You're funny and all that, but all kidding aside, as much as I laugh. You've been very open about the fact that 
you partied quite hard when you played. Uh, you just admitted that you hardly worked out in the offseason. And I find it incredible, Mike, that you had a great career the way you had. And I have to tell you, at the same time, it kind of frustrates me in a way because if you would have um, had a different lifestyle and be more committed, you could have played longer and you could have been even better. I mean, have you ever like just taken a second to, do you have any regrets? Because obviously you had a good time. You had a great career and you had a lot of fun for a lot of people. That's awesome. If you would have had a little bit less fun, you could have had an even greater career. Do you have any regrets? Well, that's for sure. Like uh, regrets. It's hard to say because I didn't do the other side, right? If I would have worked all my life and do all that, uh, would I have been satisfied with it? I don't know, right? Because I didn't do that part. But yeah, I do regret a bit, right? I regret there's there's coaches that had in the past that tried like try me pull me in, right? To uh, especially junior uh, Guy Boucher trying to help, like try to get me the right route. Yeah, but I was I was much downtown Montreal kid. I like my mind was, <laughs> you yeah. know, I grew up in Saint Laurent, Mont Royal. All the yeah. bars are there, so I was already at a young age attracted by that, right? And then you gave me NHL and then money. And then I was like, well, please, I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to, if I was able to do both, right? I was able to do both. Obviously, I believe if I would have worked out and, and committed myself more to my body and, and, and my uh, my craft, right? Yeah, I think I would have played longer and I would have had a better career, uh, right? Uh, but a lot of my dreams I, I made, right? The only one left is to win the cup. <laughs> and I want to. I wanted to win in Montreal, and, and uh, uh, we'll see one day. Hopefully, uh, they can do what like they did to Martin, just pick me up from anywhere and just be a coach and and go for. It. But it's hard. Like not every player can coach, right? Yeah, uh, you know, top top players that try to coach can. You still have to. Uh, you still need to know how to communicate with your players. I I can uh, give the message to your players so they can receive it and get it. Uh, so there's a lot of management and a lot of communication as a coach that you have to do. Uh, but a lot of guys can, you know, but, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of coaches can do that. And uh, I think Marte's going to be great. Like I said, he's a smart, he was a smart player, he's a top player, he's an all the famer. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, it's going to be hard for uh, for me to, to try to uh, try to tell him uh, what's going wrong, what's, go <laughs> what's doing right. Uh, he, he's gonna have the, the the good answers. Even now, you listen to when he talks; it's really calm. It's really smart. It's a really smart answers. Yeah, uh, it's really. Might, uh, if I can, he's got a lot of humility, and he'll tell you if uh, the game is moving fast for him. I think there was a game in Winnipeg; they lost by a score of uh, eight to four. They were down four nothing, and at one point, he said that they got into too much penalty trouble, and he couldn't catch up. Like the the, the, the for the lines, the lines and stuff like that was going a little bit too fast for him. He's talked about leaning on his guys. He's talked about not thinking ahead, not knowing when to play, which goalie and stuff like that. There's a lot of humility uh, in Marty St. Louis, which I, I absolutely love. If you want to pick up a Marty St. Louis jersey or a Mike Ribeiro jersey, any team they may have played for, sportbuffshop.com for all of your officially licensed sports apparel and our sick merchandise. Huh? How do you like this one? Double shift your best players. Huh? Use code SICK15 for 15% off on all of their items. Mike, Marty St. Louis, 10 wins in 22 games. Dominic Ducharme had eight wins in 45 games. So he's got more wins in, in less than half, half the games. 
this was a hire that caught a lot of people by surprise, like you said, because we usually see the recycled coaches over and over and over again. Marty St. Louis comes in as a very intelligent player. You talked about him being ultra intelligent, ultra smart because he was smaller. So he had to actually exercise his brain a lot more than somebody who was bigger and can get by on their physical and athletic attributes. Do you think that this could be a trend that now some other teams won't be as nervous or scared about thinking outside the box and hiring coaches that don't have a lot of experience, hiring coaches that coach the peewee level, the bantam level, hiring a Mike Ribeiro of this world. Do you think that he may have been a trendsetter here? It started a trend. I think he could be, but like you said, not just hiring any coach from Pee Wee though. Like, uh, yeah. you know, Martin Saint Louis was not a guy that just coached Pee Wee all his life. You know, that's a guy with uh, a lot of years of NHL experience. Uh, so yeah, I think I think it could. I won't say a trend because you know, you know, GMs and stuff like to the old school always like you said rotate. The, even Vancouver went back and got I don't even know his name, but Bruce Boudreaux. Yeah, so. So it's kind of it's like that, but it's it's a league of friendship too, right? Yeah. So, uh, but I believe if you know, there's a lot more hockey players that will become coach after their careers. I think with this one too, with Martin just kind of started that a little bit. I believe a lot more uh, uh, players that didn't coach junior or didn't coach in the American League that will have a chance, even as assistant coach or uh, uh, you know a power play coach, a PK coach, or just just a foot in, and uh, give those guys a chance uh, uh, to show. But like I said, you need to know the guy. You need to know the guy a little bit to understand his uh, his uh, mind of hockey, what he's thinking a little bit, you know. Pretty sure the GM know, uh, knew a little bit of uh, Martin and probably, you know what I mean? They, they were in New York together and stuff. So you understand the mind of Martin and uh -huh. uh, what he can do uh, for the team. So I think it's a little bit of both, but uh, I'm hoping that the, it's a trend so they can uh, give me a call one day. Uh, that would be good. Mike, uh, defensive coaches, um, does it still work in the National Hockey League? Like very defensive-minded coaches, can it work for like more than one year? Because talk to us about that. You as an offensive player, if you would have been stuck with a defensive minded first coach, defensive minded second, you must find it miserable to play, right? It just, this just seems with this whole concepts over system and Marty St. Louis, and they either score a lot of goals or they give up goals. It doesn't matter, but it's wide open. It's offensive. It seems like it's a place where players can have fun because you'll correct me if I'm wrong. But I think a player is willing to do whatever they can to try and win a Stanley Cup one year, two years. But at a certain point, you don't want to play defensive hockey all the time, right? Well, it's not just, I would say, so the concept, like you said, so a lot of systems, you know, a lot of sports, you win with defense, right? So it's not to not play defense, but it's to give that freedom to your top players to make plays that, uh, on a defensive system that coach don't want to, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, if it's only defensive system and you chip, chip the puck, uh, you know, chip at the blue line, chip at the offensive blue line, dump the puck in the corner, uh, then, yeah, like you said, after a year or two, you're like, you want freedom. You want, as a top player, you want to be able to yeah. slow down the game at the blue line, make a saucer pass, or like, you know, make a play. So you got to uh, still play well defensively. Because if you don't, then then uh, then you're gonna lose, right? Yeah. But give that freedom, that that freedom to your top players to make a play. You know, maybe uh, 
freaking cheat a little bit offensively, yeah. right? Because he reads that. He reads that my defenseman will get the puck. Well, I'm going to clear. Maybe maybe he'll hit me, right? Yeah. Give that freedom to top players to take those decisions from instincts and go, right? Uh, Martin, so I remember him going behind these and picking up pucks, right? Yeah. Instead of staying wide or like, you know, so. But I, I still think it's uh, come playoff, you, you need to be strong defensively. You need to be able to shut down uh, top players of the other team yeah. to win, to win, but give the freedom to your top players and double shift them like he's on your shirt. Double shift your top players. <laughs> when they have a good, like when they score a shift, they're coming back soon. Give them another yeah. 30. So just tell boys, just go for 25, quick one. Just keep them engaged all the time in the game. Yeah, Mike, you played uh, probably parts of six seasons in Montreal. If I count the playoff games, give or take, it was about 300 games or whatever it was you know that Montreal is a different animal. I mean, you played for other teams, so you know that Montreal is a different animal compared to everyone else, right? In knowing that, let's just say that if you, Mike Ribeiro, are Nick Suzuki, and you're offered the captaincy at the end of the year, of course it's an honor, and of course you would want it. But would it actually be good for you? Because I believe that you have a guy like Joel Edmondson, for example, Okay, who's got two years left on his deal. He's going to be there because he's got to mentor the young players. He's big. He's strong. He's got a presence. He takes players out for lunch and stuff like that. He's kind of the leader of that locker room. And uh, he's got a Stanley Cup ring. I believe that if he can do it, not to say that Suzuki can't, because I'm sure that he could. Okay, but if he does it for the next two years and then once his time is over with the Canadians, then you go to Suzuki. I believe in two years from now, Suzuki will be more ready for it, more prepared, and it'll be better for him. Do I make sense? Yes or no? You're Nick Suzuki. Would you count the captaincy right away at age 22? I would have taken it for sure. But uh, like you said, it depends. If, if your plan is to keep Edmondson for another two years after, then I don't know. I think I think I would have given it to the kid. If it's that, if it's the kid that you're going to go around, that you're going to build around, right? Uh, a lot of teams is your top player the top player but if the top top player still have to uh, uh be a leader not only does it have to be by speaking all the time right i had uh, captains that didn't speak a word in the room but mm -hmm. the work ethic and and the way they they condemned themselves brought this leadership so i'm not in the room oh, at all. it's gonna get fun now no i'm not i'm talking i'm talking about moro not Taku. <laughs> best captain you ever had Best captain, I guess I'll have to say, yeah, Brendan, Brendan Morrow. I think I was there, uh, what six years, and he wasn't a guy that talked much in the room. Okay, it was a silent, a silent killer, we'll say. Okay, <laughs> but when he looked at you and when he said something, uh, people listen. Is there a captain that you thought was, um, not that great as a captain? Uh, was that? Let, let me just come out and say it. Was I, had Saku, Shea, I had Shea too. Shea too was great. Okay. Was Saku Koivu a bad captain, a good captain, a very good captain, or a great captain? And why? Wow. I say, I'll say probably the first one you said. I didn't say it, but you said it. Probably the low, lowest part, but he was loved. He was loved by Montreal. Even me, when I was a kid, I was looking up to him, right? Yeah. The only thing that I felt was that I don't know. I don't know. It was hard. I was still young, right? I was still trying to understand the uh, the game of uh, NHL. It's just, it depends. You know, like you cannot be a captain, and uh, when you lose, 
and you have a goal and you're happy and then if you win and you don't have a point you're not understand as a play offensive players you want your little cookies you want your points and stuff right uh uh but uh, it's a certain point as a captain has to be uh, it has to be a straight line you cannot be tilting one or the other way it's, it's straight you do the right thing and it doesn't matter if you didn't score if you score you're the same kind of uh captain right so it was kind so of when you won games and saku koivu didn't score or pick up points your impression was that he was less happy than yeah. when you actually lost games and he picked up points yeah that, that was, was your a, that was your impression that was my impression then okay was it the, the impression but like i of, said like as players it happens all the time you lose your score too like inside you're like kind of has to score right yeah but as, as a captain i don't think you can uh show that right you cannot display that was that know? a feeling that you could say today that you were one of the only ones to get that impression or was that an impression that several had of him i think several guys i think several guys can can see it right you can see you can feel you can feel even if it's a sign if you're silent you can feel someone uh silence right are you talking about the three amigos of ribero theodore and oh, Daniel, or that. was it or was it more than that i think it'll probably more than that really yeah there's a wow. few, there's a few checks too in there that <laughs> oh that yeah was, that was close to it yeah but like did, i said did you ever was, talk to him about that to who to saku about that the, about your impression that you got or whatever or you were just too young and you weren't going there yeah i don't talk to anyone i didn't talk to anyone like that yeah i was like when i started i was in my corner uh especially my first few camps the names that were there was unbelievable like who i had like yeah down fuss the old debt uh i can go on and on with the names that Montreal yeah. had back in the day and no i was just i was just a fan all right i was just a fan of montreal canadians since i'm a kid mm -hmm. so when i got there i was really like jaw dropping i was like oh my gosh those guys are big i was like i'm gonna get killed here right like i just <laughs> i remember my first camp i played wing i think with down foot i was like oh my gosh this guy's this guy's what not just big too those guys were big yeah so i was more impressed i, I didn't say anything I, I i was the guy that uh especially back in the day pick up their luggage under the bus uh oh you last... did that eh oh yeah <laughs> and then it stopped doing kids start crying because if you ask them to do too much as a rookie then you're done nowadays um oh, my god i could talk to you for hours but uh you know why don't we end it in this I, I i will let everyone know watching this episode i think it's sick if you love it and you think it's sick comment sick on all social media platforms, S-I-C-K. Tell me, Mike. Here, one thing. I will have a camp, hockey camp, I think this summer. Oh, yeah? Uh, it's me and Dajna. Uh, we're trying to do the dates. will probably be end of July, beginning of August. I'll post it on my uh, Facebook uh, when, when I know all the details about it. But hockey camp in Montreal. All right. When are you doing one with Quavo? <laughs> I can do one. I, I think it, it's that's in the past, right? No, no, it's in the past. Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, it's 20 years ago, right? So, yeah. Uh, no, if I see him, I'll say hi. I'll say hi. Even when he went to Anaheim and we, we, I said hi after the game, during the game too. Uh, it is, It was what it was, but you had to move on from things like that. You guys, you guys weren't presidents of each other's fan club at the time, right? Yeah. And he, he you know, you talked about some of the things you didn't like in him, and I don't think he liked you all that much either. 
Yeah, that's it. That's pretty simple. And that's okay. <laughs> hey, you cannot have 25 brothers and love them all. You probably only have a sister or a brother that you can't freaking you can't stand. Everyone's like that. So 20, it's yeah. hard to manage 20 players. You're trying to be a family, but the thing is when you get on the ice, you work for each other, you play for each other, no matter yeah. what. Yeah. He probably didn't like that you were never in the weight room. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's for sure. She all right, Mike Barbero. She just seen my six pack when I played. Yeah, no more six pack anymore. No more six pack. You had a the, six pack on that hundred and fifty five point uh, pound frame. No, I never had one pack. I think. Hey, Mike, when are we gonna do this again? Anytime. Let me know. I'm always. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna laugh again when you say you want to coach the Montreal Canadiens. Doesn't matter how much experience you have again. Uh, Seventeen years in the NHL. Seventeen years <laughs> in the NHL. That's enough. That's, a, that's enough experience to be a coach. Let me that's tell you enough that. experience. Hey, Mike, you're doing well. Everything's good. Everything's great. You're in Nashville as we speak. How's your son doing? It's great. Season's over. Uh, actually, right now I'm going to go with him and buy him a, a prom suit. So that's okay. my next uh, next step. When is the next time we're going to? So you, that's uh, your camp. You're going to be in Montreal this summer. Montreal this summer. I'm trying to come maybe next month or in the next few months. I'll let you know when I'm there. I'll come by and say hi. Let me know. We're going to go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Get my membership. All right, Mike. Thanks again. This podcast, it's a sick podcast. I'm Marinero. I got to go. I got to lift weights. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, Intense by Nature, and Lakage. If the last time you went to Lakage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lakage. The menu will surprise you. <laughs>